0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
2: And a pleasant good morning and welcome in to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster filling in for the vacationing, Mike Esposito. And of course, right across from me, a baseball legend in his own right. Good morning, Bruce Levine.
1: Good morning, David Schuster. Great to have you on board, and what a great baseball show we have for you as our new hours, of course, 9 to 11 a.m. Every Saturday, talking Chicago baseball with you, the greatest baseball fans in the world. By the way, David, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's Restaurant Deli Bakery in Northbrook. Your family time to go for the summer to Max and Benny's, the best deli bakery and dinner experience in Northbrook. Lester and Ben welcome you to their restaurant that is famous for not only the best corned beef, pastrami and lox, but the best dinners in the city. Dinners to die for from 4 to 9 p.m. All the staples, chicken, brisket, turkey, fresh fish daily. Max and Benny's party rooms handle all get-togethers from 10 to 150 people. Catering king of north of the northern suburbs. Ask for John at maxandbennys.com. Bakery goods galore. Love you some Max and Benny's. 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border, 30 minutes from downtown. Love you some com. David.
2: All right, Bruce. And, uh...
1: Cubs and White Sox talk
2: is also brought to you by the Chicago Wolves, who are making big plans for their 25th anniversary. Get your season tickets now and receive exclusive benefits. Visit ChicagoWolves.com or call 1 800 The Wolves. And this hour here on Inside the Clubhouse is brought to you by Glenview Park Golf Club. Experience the best at Glenview Park Golf Club. Visit golfglenview.com. Bruce, this is going to be a party for the next two hours. Well, it
1: always is. This is, you know, we talk about uh, Chicago baseball talk hopefully at its best here every Saturday for you. And, of course, uh, we have a huge lineup of guests today. The Cubs, Kyle Schwarber, the Chicago White Sox general manager, Rick Hahn, Marty Brenneman, the Hall of Fame announcer of the Reds, David DeJesus, who does great work on NBC Sports Chicago, pre and post for the Cubs, all part of the show. But you are number one at 312-644-6767. You can find us also, text David at 67011, although he hates to look at that line. He will. <laughs> he will look at it. Be nice to David today. You know, he's sitting in for Mike today. David and I uh, have covered uh, a combination of 77 or 78 years of Chicago baseball. Think about that for a minute. We're there for you every day at the ballparks inside the clubhouse, and that's what this show is called. So. Any questions, any info, anything that we haven't offered to you, uh, please feel free to call us, 312-644-6767.
2: And, Bruce, I, I tweeted out after last night's Cubs game, and actually I could have done it at any point during the game last night, and i said this after the dodger game the the last game of the series the other day i thought that was the best game the cubs have played all series all season actually um that they had the defense was outstanding john lester with seven shutout innings they win the series 2 out of 3 games and then they go into Cincinnati the last couple of nights and honestly have laid an egg across the board. And, and this is the part about the Cubs that still dumbfounds me. I'm going to be honest with you, Bruce. Every time it looks like they take a step forward, and listen, they're still you know right in the running, don't get me wrong, but they just really haven't played to, I think, the level that they're capable of playing. It looks like they're about to start a win streak, a long win streak, and then they throw in a couple of clunkers, and, and it's for me it's some, somewhat dumbfounding.
1: Have the Cubs been overrated? Is there starting pitching after John Lester just average? We we know Darvish hasn't even begun the season. He's not, I don't even count what he's done as beginning the season for the Cubs. Chatwood walk issues. Uh, certainly uh, Hendricks and uh, Quintana have fought for consistency. The home run ball has really hurt uh, the Chicago Cubs uh, in a lot of the starts that, um, Hendricks has, has had, and it's hurt them uh, the last couple of nights for, for both uh, starters. So uh, all that said, they're two games behind first place in their division. They have the third best record in the National League. And as you talked about in our show prep, David, it's a mediocre National League. It really is. It really is. Um, All right, we're going to break
2: real quickly here in a few minutes, but we want to get in a few calls before we do. And I think Bruce, this first one is going to be a doozy right off the bat. Let's go to Greg in Rogers Park. Welcome into Inside the Clubhouse, Greg. Hi.
3: David, you're absolutely right. The Cubs are really Really? made eggs and they look terrible. I think that Joe Madden is a mediocre manager. I think he's nothing but a cheap trick and basically smoke and mirrors. It's time for the Cubs to do like Donald Trump and say, Joe, you're fired. Joe, you're a loser. We'll bring in a winner, Joe, called Joe Girardi. Bring him in here. Bring a professional manager in here that'll bring a sense of professionalism, organization, and a, and a much more professional winning attitude. I'm sick and tired of all the hippie tricks and the petting zoos and the uh, crazy yeah. lineups and all that stuff, and bring in a real solid, strong manager who will just be bring a solid winning attitude. And professionalism, and get the team on track, and play hardball with the players. Rather than coddle them and say everything's fine, everything's wonderful, losing's great, and all this stuff, and we're going to be fine. I think it's really time to make that change, and let Joe Madden go to some other team, and be a good manager for a couple of years, and you know, move on. I really, I'm serious. I think it's time to come to pull the pull the core with Joe Madden and bring in George Girardi. Greg, you, hey, Greg, I, you I need appreciate- to
1: you need to tell us what you really think. Yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> What what a good way to start the show. Greg, thanks. thanks and and Greg. that's the that's the fun of this show is that uh we screen callers. You know, Zach, our our great producer does it, but we don't we don't screen you off to the point where we want to know exactly what you ask, what you're gonna ask. Uh this is the free forum of six seventy the score and the essence of what this radio station has done for the last twenty six years.
2: Um <laughs> you know, that might be the prevailing, not the prevailing, but it might be the attitude of a lot of the fans out there. But I'm just going to say this right now. He's not going anywhere. Joe Madden, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, they do with right. his contract going forward. You know, how long Joe Madden will be here. I just don't think he's going to. It's anywhere.
1: interesting you can average 95 wins 3 years in a row, win a World Series, go to NLCS 3 years in a row and people are not happy with you. All
2: right, let's take another phone call. Let's go out to uh River North in the city and pick it up with Matt. Go ahead, Matt, you're on inside the clubhouse.
1: Hey, Hey, fellas. I two observations. I
4: mean, the Cubs seem to struggle offensively when Brian and Rizzo aren't hitting. You know, they and they're leaving a lot of guys on base. That's a concern to me, you know, uh, and especially guys on third base with uh, less than two outs. Um, I mean, I think things with the pitching will be
0: okay once they get some of their guys and when Edwards comes back. My other point, I wanted to ask Bruce his thoughts on what Peter Gammons thought of Makata. It sounded like he was really disappointed with him, and I guess there was an article
4: saying about how the Red Sox really fleeced the White Sox in that trade, you know, that Kopech's control problems, and Makata is not going to be the player they thought he was going to be. Because to me... The way they had talked about him, I was expecting Juan Soto.
1: Right. Well Juan Soto is, you know, in his first experience. Uh, you know, again, uh I, I I caution people not to jump too quickly in on a guy like Mankata. And uh, thanks for your call, by the way. Uh, Matt. The David, uh he's twenty two, okay? He's getting his first experience. Uh they are taking advantage of him. He struck out uh second most times of anybody in baseball right now. Um, he's also a guy that goes deep into counts. When when I see a, a young player like that that still is taking deep counts, that sometimes uh, still takes his walks, I still have uh, still have a feeling that he, he's got a really good chance to be a good player. Now, at this point, he's struggling. Uh, they've been bouncing him up and back between leading off and fifth and sixth and seventh. I just, you know, I put him down eighth or ninth and just let him hang out there and just, take his time. There's no reason for him to have to lead off a game and put the extra pressure. On. Well,
2: we have a chance to talk to Rick Hahn and we will after this upcoming break here and we'll ask him specifically about Moncada and so many other things. We're going to take a break here right now, Bruce, because we do have White Sox general manager Rick Hahn coming up. So stay tuned. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back on Inside Here on the Clubhouse. 917 and welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster. He's Bruce Levine and Bruce right now we have a very special guest. I'll let you do the intro.
1: It's always special when we we can bring in the vice president general manager of the Chicago White Sox, Mr. Rick Hahn, to fill us in on all the things that we don't know. And you know, he whenever I see Rick, he reminds me of how much I don't know. Um, which is, those conversations go on for a long time, don't they, Rick? Uh Rick, you are nothing
4: but a fount of your own knowledge,
1: I'm sure. I look forward to it. <laughs> uh, thanks for taking some time out on a Saturday morning, Rick, to join us and in Inside the Clubhouse. We appreciate it as always. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, the up and down the roller coaster of being a, uh, a general manager of a team that is in a rebuild and uh, has such high, you know, highs on occasion and such low lows has to be difficult. How do, how do you deal with that emotional Swing of uh, of feelings when you watch your club on a daily basis.
4: No, you're you're absolutely right. There's definitely peaks and valleys as part of this process and part of the growing pains of going through a rebuild. And I think part of it is that we try to keep a long term perspective and a in a big picture view. Uh, we certainly, uh, in this past week, as difficult as it's been at times at the big league level, we've taken some solace and excitement in the fact that. I believe we had something like 18 or 19 All-Stars play in Double and, and A and single-A All-Star games this past week. Our Winston-Salem Club won their their first-half championship, and, and there was a lot of things from a player development side that got us excited. The week before that, we had what we felt was a, a very strong draft that helped move this uh, process forward for the future and helped solidify some of the uh, organizational depth issues that we want to get right before uh, before it's time for us to win again. But at the same time, you know, we know we're not immune to feeling the, the ups and downs. We're you know, similar to any fan or, or any uh you know, whether it's anyone in the front office, whether it's me or Kenny or the coaches or right on up to Jerry. We feel the same uh struggles at times or the same hardships at times that any fan feels. Uh, I think it's important, though, uh, to to realize what the big picture is here and where we are in this process and the amount of progress that we've made uh, over the last year and a half into this process and, and what the future is starting to shape up to look like.
2: Hey, Rick, uh, first of all, good morning and thank you for joining us. And uh, one of the most uh, questions asked by Sox fans to us here at the station is concerning Johan Mankata. And at times, he looks like the number one prospect that he was in Major League Baseball. At other times, he simply doesn't. And I have to preface by saying, still, he's only 22 years old, and that's probably the bottom line here. But how do you sum up what you've seen from him so far this season? Because at times, he looks great, and other times, he simply doesn't.
4: No, I think that's very fair. I think in terms of context, you did point out the right fact that he is extremely young, uh, 22, 23 years old over the course of this season. And the fact is that I believe roughly three years ago at this time, or maybe three years ago in May, he had yet to play a game as a professional in the United States, so he's still extremely raw. With that comes some ups and downs. We saw a stretch there prior to him going on the DL with his hamstring where he was just outstanding, both offensively and defensively, and showed you that speed and power and uh Plate discipline and, and defensive chops that made him the top prospect in the game. It's not shocking that you know there are there's been stretches where uh, the performance has lagged. What's important is to make sure that we have it so that the focus doesn't lag, so that the pitch to pitch concentration and the commitment both between the white lines, as well as prior to the game, is what it needs to be over the course of a, a full six or seven month major league season. So that's that's it's all part of development. Uh, there are going to be ups and downs, as we've said, and I'm certainly very pleased with how Yohan has looked during certain stretches over the course of the season. Since coming off the DL for the hamstring, it's been been more erratic, and, and there's been a, a number of conversations uh, between he and the coaching staff, as well as some of his teammates, where he understands what, what needs to be done for him to fulfill that promise on a, on a more consistent basis.
1: Rick Hahn, the vice president and general manager of the Chicago White Sox, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. He's David Schuster. I'm Bruce Levine. We're here for you every Saturday, 9 to 11, our new hours, talking Chicago baseball 52 weeks out of the year. Rick, uh, you know, uh, the demands uh, by the manager and the coaching staff to uh, play good baseball, heads-up baseball, fundamental good baseball, and then the reality that some of the players are just – Average to below average players who, with all due respect, uh, because I respect anybody that wears a uniform and works as hard as they can to get to this level, uh, will probably not be here in a couple of years. How how much do they have to slice and dice the reality of um, a a player's limitations to the expectations of you and, um, and the rest of the coaching staff?
4: I think we all try to keep our expectations realistic in terms of what a player's potential output is going to be. What I think we can have, and, and that's, as you pointed out, is going to vary based upon their individual talent level and experience and, you know, overall how you project them going forward in terms of are they championship caliber players on a, on a championship team or are they, as, as you put it, guys who may not be here in the next couple of years. That's going to vary. The one thing that can't vary is effort and the ability of a player to give everything both on and off the field to maximize their level of talent, regardless of what that level of talent may be. And I think that's what uh, us in the front office and, and Ricky and the coaches focus on more than necessarily the the output. It's the focus, it's the effort, it's the preparation, and it's the commitment. Those things don't need to vary. Those things can be the same for everyone, regardless of your in your God-given ability. And that's what we would need to see on a consistent basis: is that consistent maxing out of those of those efforts mm-hmm. and those uh, things within their control.
1: But uh, that said, and, and you know, well, well-taken points. Uh, when a team has trouble scoring runs, and we see it with the Cubs and all the good teams as well, when they have trouble scoring runs, all the little things stand out even more, mm-hmm. and they're never washed away. With a team like yours, who's had so much trouble scoring runs, and predictably so. Um, Don't things stand out just a little bit more to the point where you kind of have to sometimes back off?
4: No, that's very fair. Everything looks worse, again, regardless of how good the team is or isn't. Everything looks worse when you're not scoring runs. Uh, Just like everything looks – the manager looks stupid any time a reliever comes in and gives up runs. It's it's just the the nature of uh, the optics of the game. Uh, You certainly don't need to grind on the players as a coach or or an instructor. Uh, that about that performance, about those struggles, about what they're trying to do. And our coaches and Ricky, do I think, do a tremendous job of keeping it positive for the most part and keeping it focused on the things within their control and, and making adjustments and trying to implement adjustments uh, for the players to help them rectify whatever slump they may be in. There are times, though, even if your team's not necessarily designed for a, a high level of output on a consistent basis, that when that struggles add up, that you do need to get a little firmer, and that has happened behind closed doors, and that's the that's the way we prefer to handle that. But you're right in that everything does look worse when you're not scoring runs, or when the bullpen's giving up runs. It's 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 the
2: nature of the beast. Hey Rick, uh, the trading deadline, the non-waiver trading deadline is still five weeks away, but Washington and Kansas City started it off in a big way last week, even. You know, when do the phones start heating up? And, and over the last few years, have, have more trades been consummated long before the deadline? Are teams trying to get a, a jump start on everybody else?
4: You know, years ago, uh, along those lines, years ago, when, when Kenny and I were uh, uh, doing this, we, we Kenny always tried to treat July 1st as the trade deadline. Obviously, we still had another month to add things if we wanted to, but it was very important to him to set this sort of earlier date, so that we were aggressive early and perhaps beat the market. And at the same time, you get an extra month or perhaps more out of your acquisition, which helps obviously solidify your team and, and improve your chances to win. And I think more teams are starting to take that approach. It was really more uh, cutting edge, I think, when Kenny was implementing it. And now a lot of teams have followed suit. Uh, so you saw Washington being aggressive in early June. Uh, dialogue this time of year is 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 healthy it's not like it's going to be necessarily as you get closer to the all-star break or the other side but you do have more clubs i think looking to make that early add to get that added benefit and and to beat the market i mean there are there's good, probably going to be a decent amount of sellers but there may not be quite as many uh potentially impact type guys floating around out there and i think it uh certainly behooves teams to to move quickly to try to get those targets landed
1: now to, on to bigger and brighter things. As you mentioned, all the All-Stars promoted big promotions from the White Sox this week for their young players to the next level. Uh, can you give us an exact date when Eloy Jimenez will be here, please? So we can <laughs> – I mean, you think think how much easier it will be for him, for you guys, uh, Ricky's wasted time before games. Uh, just give us a date, and we're, and we're done with it, and we can look forward to it. Sox fans can start buying their tickets for – uh, a lot of those games from that point on. Uh, I'm just helping you with the marketing end no, of this. I,
4: I appreciate that. And, and I guess the date I can give you is that he'll be here the day after he shows he's ready.
1: <laughs> uh,
4: and in, But, it, but it, it does speak to an, an issue and a temptation and something that we've talked about going back to last offseason. And that's it would be wonderful to have Eloy up here tomorrow do, in terms of level of excitement and, and eyeballs on the game and, and enthusiasm about the rebuild and showing another step in the, in, in the progress uh, of what we're putting together. But it, it, none of those things really can factor in as satisfying as it would be to see him in a, in a big league uniform tomorrow. And the fact that he probably could survive at the big leagues right now, given his skills and his immense talents. It's more about putting him in the best position to succeed, not just su- survive. And it's important that he makes this stop in AAA that he just started a couple of days ago, that he gets pitched a little bit differently, as you tend to do at the highest level, given that there's a little few more veteran-type, up-and-down-type pitchers there, as opposed to uh, A, which is a little bit more of a younger, high-prospect league. It, it, it's it going to help him. It's going to put them in a better position to succeed for the long term. So we have to, as you've heard me say probably too many times, we've got to continue to exercise patience and allow this each individual, not just Eloy, but all of them to develop at their own pace and only get to Chicago after they've forced it upon us, that there's nothing more from a developmental standpoint that they can get out of being in the minors. Now, again, some of these guys go back. It's not always linear. Sometimes a guy does get up, he's answered all the questions, and all of a sudden something at the big league level, there's adjustments made, he needs to go back. Happened with Creedy, happened with Rowan, and obviously didn't derail either of them for their, their long-term careers. But ideally, we bring these guys up, and they're in a position to have success and stay. and, and the White Sox for a uh, better part of a decade plus.
1: There you have it. Rick Hans says uh, July 29th, ninth, uh, Jimenez <laughs> <Eli laughs> will be joining the Chicago White Sox. If I read between the lines properly, there. Uh, uh, no, no if,
4: you're, if you're telling me he's ready on July twenty eighth, then it's fair to go. Yeah, you well, know,
1: I think you know, I think a month is enough. Uh, you know, you knock on wood for his good health and his continued development as far as an outfielder and on the base pass, and uh, and then then you have a uh, you know another. Uh, competing guy for to go with your other young guys. Gives you a lot of more juice in the lineup, hope, everything that you need. How, how does that all sound?
4: Sounds very good. You're doing a lot
1: of Brooks Boyers' work oh, for him right now. Very good. I appreciate and, it. In conclusion with you, um, Michael Kopech, uh Started out great this year, had some uh, difficulties finding home plate, well, what are the, the possibilities of long-term? We know he's going to be a big league pitcher and an impact one, but is it possible that he ends up being a, a, a top-of-the-line closer along the way? Is it possible? Yes. Is it what I think
4: is most likely or what we're aiming for? No. I, I We all continue to believe that Michael's going to be a front-end type starter. Uh, yes, he has gone through a little bit of a, a difficult stretch here. Uh, the last start being uh, having many positive signs as part of it and then providing him with something to build off of. Again, not too dissimilar from, from Johan. He, this kid's 22 years old. He's made, I don't know, the 18, 15-ish starts at the AAA level. Uh, there's going to be some ups and downs, and that's part of development is how they adjust and pull themselves out of the struggles, because it's going to be tough at the highest level here. So, Guys who have had the opportunity to pull themselves out of adversity at the minor league level come, frankly, a little better equipped with a skill set to survive the ups and downs at the big league level than those who just sailed through the minors and never had to struggle. So it's not shocking that there's been, you know, some a bit of a roller coaster season for a 22-year-old getting his first extended look at the highest minor league level. And ultimately, we think it's going to we're going to serve him well as he continues on that path. Uh, that he's been on for the last few years of becoming a a front-end type starter.
1: Rick, uh, we appreciate your time. David and I certainly do. And also uh, on a daily basis reporting on the team, we appreciate the transparency that you guys have uh, shown, uh, even more than in the past uh, because uh, I think you realize the communication with the uh, fans through the media is so important and essential to keep it straight. So uh, thanks for that as well because, you know, all the way from your media relations department and communications people as well as, uh, you know, marketing. Everybody's been above and beyond great with uh, with all of us. So thanks for that as well, Rick.
4: No, that's great to hear. I appreciate the the kind words and and we'll
1: keep it up. All right. Thanks, Rick. Rick Hahn, general manager of the Chicago White Sox here on Inside the Clubhouse. We'll be back with David DeJesus as well.
2: And Bruce, uh, that conversation with Rick Hahn was brought to you by Northwestern Football. Coach Fitz and the Wildcats host Michigan, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Illinois, and more this fall at Ryan Field. Season and single game tickets on sale now at NUSports.com. And the bottom of the hour here on Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Camp Land RV. Are you stuck in traffic? Wish you could get away? Now you can with Campland RV's 57th anniversary sale now through the end of June. Take advantage of great deals on RVs to help you enjoy the great outdoors. Campland RV, RV buying made easy. We do have some excellent guests still to follow. Our first excellent guest, maybe you can run that down real quickly, Sure, Bruce. David
1: DeJesus, who does great work on pre- and post-games game uh, games for NBC Sports Chicago will be joining us, talk a little bit about the Cubs. Marty Brenneman, the Hall of Fame announcer of the Reds, joining us at the top of the next hour. And then Kyle Schwarber of the Cubs joining us at the bottom of the hour. Cubs and Sox talk galore here, 312-644-6767, as we will get all of your phone calls in within uh, the framework of our guests. Continue to fill you in on also the top information in the game.
2: All right, Bruce. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here right now where we do have David DeJesus in the on-deck circle. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. We'll be back right after this. 939, welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning. It's a beautiful day out in Chicago. Great day for baseball. I'm David Schuster. He's Bruce Levine. And once again, Bruce, we have another special guest, and I'll let you do the intro to our guest. He was
1: an outstanding Chicago Cup player, played for, in the Major League for a long time and now doing great work on NBC Sports Chicago along with our buddy David Kaplan pre and post game for the Cubs. David DeJesus joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, David. How are you today?
5: Doing great, Bruce.
1: How you doing? We are doing uh, very well and thanks for taking some time out on a Saturday morning to join us on Inside the Clubhouse. David, I want yeah. I want I want to ask you about the, the the Cubs and and how you know this emotional and physical roller coaster of being a good, uh, maybe playing their best game against the Dodgers uh, the other day, as, as David yeah. Schuster and I were talking about, to being really mediocre, to, uh, disappointing in these last two, uh, concurred by manager um, Joe Madden about how disappointing these last two losses are. How, how does this happen to a really good team, or are they overrated?
5: You know, it's, it's tough right now, it's, every game is different. You know they played. They had that emotional high versus the Dodgers because you know the Dodgers are going to be there in the playoffs. And then you you kind of let it slip a little bit against lesser teams like the Reds. They've struggled this year, but they have been playing good baseball yet lately, coming up into this series. And the fact that you know Matt Harvey looked really good the other day. You know Castillo pitched really good, but the trend is for the Cubs is that the runners in scoring position. I know a lot of teams throughout the league are struggling in that category, but it just seems like this has been going on those last couple of years that they haven't been able to get that big hit in big situations.
2: Hey, David, uh, I guess Luke Farrell's going to get the nod today and he'll go as, I guess, as long as he possibly can. And hopefully that'll be a long stretch today because the bullpen needs that. Where are the Cubs pitching wise right now? We talk about the offensive struggles, but pitching wise, it hasn't been as good as I think everybody had hoped it would be. Obviously, their closer is out right now. You Darvish, uh, I guess, is going to throw one more time, and then he's going to in the bullpen and then have his minor league rehab, and hopefully that'll be quick. But how would you assess the overall pitching staff, both starters and bullpen, right now?
5: You know, right now, John Lester, number one, one of the best pitchers in the league right now this year, should be an all star for the Cubs. Hendricks has been up and down, like Quintana. Quintana has been up and down. So those are the two guys that I'm the most surprised about because you you're coming to the season are you're hoping that these guys are going to be the guys that in their that on their back of their baseball card is shown to be able to prove in, prove themselves and just eat innings up and it really hasn't happened yet for them and there's plenty of season left. So I would I'd like to see that bounce back into going seven, six, seven innings deep into games and and getting ahead with that fastball. Fastball command for both of those guys has been the problem for them this season so far. And then you're looking at Yu Darvish. Who knows if he comes back? With Yu Darvish, it's mentality. Can he mentally handle the stress of pitching at Wrigley Field and the pressure that comes with it? Because Texas, you know, there's some pressure there. Los Angeles is not as much pressure as pitching in Chicago with this big market team. Even though L.A. has the big market, it's just not the same as pitching in Chicago. So can he handle those those pressures of being able to perform for that contract as well? And and the bullpen right now, Carl Edwards, getting him back would be huge. Getting Morrow back would be huge. And it's let all teams go through injuries. So it's just being able to handle it, and the bullpen has been a big part of the Cubs' success this season. Being able to keep those leads, you know, Rosario's been great, and you know, just a hiccup the other day, you know, and some guys have stepped up. So it's all about getting things going at the right time. And right now, it's that the part of the season where you know guys are going down with little aches and pains, and but once July, the end of July, comes around, that's when you got to start kicking it up a gear.
2: Hey, David, you, you mentioned Darvish and, and the fear of him not being able to handle the pressure at, at Wrigley Field, and, and I share that, and so do obviously a lot of the fans. If he yeah. can't, that's a scary, scary thing for a guy you just signed for six years.
5: <laughs> yes, that is, that is so true because, you know, you still have five more years left, and is he going to be able to get traded? He'll have value just because he's you, Darvish, but can you get rid of him after him struggling a little bit in the playoffs with the Dodgers, and then coming over here and struggle. No, the Yankees won't want him. The big teams won't want him because they're they're on the same level as playing at Wrigley Field, the pressure that comes with it. So it's going to be a tough situation. I feel that he can really change it. If he just gets a couple successful outings, he'll be able to get rolling. But it's all in his head right now. That's really what it counts comes down to he's going to need to be able to rely on himself and we're not worrying not about success worry about going out there putting his best foot forward and have his teammates behind him
1: david DeJesus, nbc sports chicago analyst pre and post game along with our buddy david kaplan before uh every cub and Sox game on uh, cub game on cable uh david when you uh look at uh chris bryant right now uh from a former player's eye you know we talk about a guy being kind of in between with his swing uh meaning yeah. that uh, he does it, he's not feeling himself he's not looking like himself he just looks like a defensive hitter how how would you define where where bryant is at compared to when he's at his best and and do you think that wrist injury that he he uh Incurred uh, last year in the middle of the season has uh, taken away some of his power.
5: They could have been, but I feel that he had a he had an off season to get that taken care of. I feel he was injury free, but right now you had it right. He was he's just in between. He's missing that fastball and he's swinging at the pitcher's slider. And early this season, Paul Goldschmidt was going through the same thing.
4: Mm-hmm. He was
5: I was watching some of his games and fastballs ninety mile an hour. Right down the middle, he's taking it, and then he's getting, it seemed like he was always down 0-1, 2 so then you're battling, you're battling, you have to be able to hit, foul off the pitcher's pitch, and he's swinging through it. So this is exactly what Chris Bryant is going through right now. He's missing pitcher's pitches, and he's not hitting off the fastball. He needs to attack any fastball that comes onto the, is coming at him, and he he has to have a plan of attacking the fastball. He can't be just any fastball come. He has to be, all right, I'm going to set my sights out over the plate. I'm going to take an inside pitch. If it's not, if that's not what I'm looking for, I'm not going to swing at the inside pitch in. I'm going to stay away, keep my hands ready, and fire on that fastball. So right now he's just swinging at everything. It seems like he's fouling his pitches off when he's getting good pitches, and then he's swinging at that slider down and away and you know, this is not Chris Bryant. Three, three strikeouts last night against these. These are not top level pitchers in the league right. right now. So it's tough to see. But every player goes through this. This is a learning learning experience for him, and he's going to be better from it. He's just got to understand that this is a time period where you go through. He's got to not lose faith in his ability.
2: Hey, David, from one struggling hitter to another, I got to ask you about Wilson Contreras. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. he he dumbfounded me also. So far in 64 games this season, he's got 23 RBIs. In two of those games, back-to-back, he had those 10 RBIs I mean, on, on his bobblehead. I, yes. think they, I think they need to give him oh. another bobblehead. That means in the <laughs> other 62 games he's played, he's got 13 RBIs. What the heck is going on with him? It's tough to watch right now, and it's another guy. He seems like he's not able to hit the fastball.
5: And when you can't hit a fastball in the in the big leagues, it, it makes hitting even harder. Then that off-speed comes up, and then that you don't want to be hitting off-speed. That's, that's pitcher's pitches. You want to be able to hit off the fastball, and right now he's fouling stuff off, and it's tough to watch Wilson Contreras, where when you think of Wilson Contreras, you're going off that hot stretch against the Diamondbacks, against the, I don't know, there's a couple other teams last year where he was just, you're like, this guy's going to blow up, this guy's going to be one of the best players in the game. And he's regressed this season. He hasn't shown the ability to consistently hit off the fastball. And you're seeing now him getting pushed back in the lineup because you just can't trust him. He's not producing at the plate. And once you don't produce, you're going to start moving down the lineup. And as concurrently, you see Jason Hayward. He is producing, and he's moving up in the lineup. So it's tough to watch right now, but it's all about being able to hit off the fastball. That's what I. That's what I really. Whenever I'm talking to hit to, to hitters, you have to be able to hit that high fastball. Put your your timing off a high fastball. That gets your hands moving towards the baseball quickly, and then you're able to hit off the off speed because you're ready and you're waiting for the ball to see it.
1: David DeHaze is joining us and in inside the clubhouse for a few more minutes. He's David Schuster and Bruce Levine. We have this baseball show for you every single Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, Talking Chicago Baseball. David, uh, your expertise should be uh, number one when it comes to this. David Schuster and I sit in the uh, press box all the time looking at Ian Happ going, this guy should be better served learning how to play the outfield in the minor leagues. Uh, learn, you know, straightening out his swing in the minor leagues, coming back because we see he has a, a lot of talent and he has a lot of confidence. But when they yeah. p- when they put him in center field, that game is in jeopardy on that particular day. When you, when you take a Gold Glove caliber guy out of the lineup like Elmore and put him in there, and I know Joe does it to try to get a little bit of a left-handed pop in that lineup. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think you're. I think he's missing the point on two different levels.
5: Yeah, you know, it's tough because you you just have Almora where this guy catches everything in the air and he is starting to be able to hit lefties and righties. And you're seeing a budding superstar in front of our eyes. And as a fan, you're like, man, why are we not putting him in the lineup every day? But Joe has this thing of putting players in the best situation to succeed. That's what he always really believes in. And I was a part of that. I was in a part of a platoon where, you know, I was facing righties, Brandon Guy was facing lefties mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay. And it helped both of us out. But we were better, more veteran players. And with Ian Hap right now, he is so young in his career. The development is huge for him. And with that swing right now, it would be great to see him in triple A, but I think right now in this situation, he needs to learn in the big league, see if he can do it or not. And he's getting exposed. It's getting that slider down. When he's hitting lefty, you know, that uppercut swing, if your pitchers just throw it up and in on him or up and away, it's it's a swing and miss. So there's things right now that he's got to be able to make adjustments, and that's the big league thing is being able to make adjustments, not week to week, but at bat to bat, pitch to pitch. And I ho- I'm hoping, you know, you see some flashes where it's, all right, I think he's going to turn around. But then he gets back into that strikeout mode. And the strikeout swing is so prevalent in the game right now that I can't stand it. I, I hated striking out. But guys are getting paid off of production, not off the of strikeout. So no, it's okay O-P- to strike out. Yeah, it's OPS. It's tough. No, yeah. Yes, you know, that's really what it's about now. So it's tough to watch the game, but Ian Happ is one of those guys. You know this guy he he can hit the long ball but he's going to strike out 200 plus times but a year. So
1: What what about the defense? I mean, you know, we yeah. see him take oh, uh, we t- we see him take yeah. the wrong first step all the time and it's not I I yeah. I say it's yeah. not his fault. He's only been playing the outfield regularly in his for his career the last 2 years, okay? And yeah. it's all been yeah. at the big league level. You know, you were you were an expert defender. Tell, tell us yeah. if a guy can can actually Become an above average outfielder when he has no experience and doesn't have that first, you know, when you when you see yeah. the ball off the bat, you don't have that first instinct to be able to go to the ball.
5: I mean, it's it's being an outfielder is not simple. It's not just throw him out there and here we go. So to expect Ian Happ to be a high level above average Albert Almora type of outfielder, you can't expect it. You can see what Kyle Schwarber has done, and mm-hmm. he's transformed himself into a serviceable outfielder. He's not going to be the best, but he's going to make some plays. And the hardest thing that Ian Happ is going through is he's playing. He's going from left. He's going from center. He's going from right. He's seeing different angles, and it's, it's hard to really master one spot. But he's going have to master all these different spots. And, and is he getting enough reps? In batting practice, in center field, uh, exactly. in left field, and in right field. Yeah, that's a exactly. that's a lot of time. So he's got you know it's a tough situation. I would that, there would be great things in AAA to be able to put that work in, but right now he's a, he actually is a decent piece off the bench for the Cubs. So you know it's tough. It's going to be a lot of work this offseason. He's got to go somewhere and get reps. Reps, reps, reps. You can't think he's going to be an Albert Amora, but you can think he can be a, a decent outfielder working on that first step. First step quickness is huge as an outfielder as well.
1: David, thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Uh, tell our friend Cappy that he doesn't know everything. <laughs> I know I, he knows a lot, but, I, but but not everything. And that's why you're there to help him out every day, all right? <laughs>
5: exactly. I got him, and I will. Thank you so right, much right. for having me on, bro. All right, David. Thanks, thanks you. David. Take right, care. Buddy. David DeJesus
1: right, of NBC Sports Chicago, doing great work, along with our buddy Cappy, uh, pre and post on all your games on cable for the Chicago Cubs. And, uh, you know, I wanted to have him on because – he he's he's doing a really good job on the air, and plus that experience of having played the outfield, wanting to ask him directly about Happ in and, and that situation, because you and I talk about it all the every time. every
2: single game yeah. that we see. And we Hap like in we like Happ,
1: we like his talent. We just think he's better served in the minor leagues, getting better.
2: Center field is a well. Most positions are specialty, but especially up the middle, as they always say. And center field is a specialty position. You just can't throw any guy out there and expect him to do the job out there. Elmora is gold glove material, and Ian Happ is the other side. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to go from one stud guest to another. We got Marty Brenneman coming up. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse.
0: We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone